This morning we, we're continuing in a series looking through the first few chapters of Genesis, and um, today we're talking, uh, we're not going to talk about the Sabbath part. I preached a sermon on Sabbath um, a few months ago now, and you all remember it perfectly, so I figured we can just set that aside, but there's a lot in this text um, to, to consider, and we're going to look more at the first part of that reading um, where it talks about being created in the image of God. And what might that mean to be made in the image of God? I think at its most basic, when we think about what does it mean for human beings to be made in the image of God, is to say that when we look at people, when we look at one another, we in fact can grasp something of the divine. We can in fact grasp something of who God is when we look at people, because we're made in the image of God, so we and somehow reflect something about God. And there's been all kinds of debate about what that something is, um, but I think at its most basic level, we don't want to forget that, that when we look at one another, when we see human beings, we ought to be able to see something of God in each other. It's quite amazing. Um, the ancient Israelites and God took this very, very seriously, and we sometimes miss this fact when we look at uh, the Ten Commandments. Um, one of the commandments in Exodus 20, verse 4, talks about how you shall not make for yourself a graven image, which is, if you go to the RSV or the King James Version, that's what you'll find, the, the word graven image. Um, you shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. And modern translations will change graven image to idol. You shall not make for yourself any idols. But the image word is actually quite helpful because it kind of relates us back to this idea of being created in the image of God. Um, there's some thinking that's been done around this, thinking that maybe one of the reasons why God is so opposed to uh, creating graven images, like images that are carved or constructed, is that in fact God has already created all of the images. And so what we need to do is look around at one another. Not to worship those, but to see that we reflect the divine in people, rather than uh, we need to construct something to reflect the divine or represent the divine. We already have the divine representation in people. So that's, that's quite an amazing way to think about that commandment. Um, to don't build something, because God's already created it uh, in human beings. Uh, quite amazing. Um, so that's sort of the, the basic level. But to try to get at what is it that's at the core of this, um, I think we need to kind of look at what happens in this text and what God does, um, how he establishes human beings, and, uh, and, then what, and then what he might expect of us in being made in his image. Um, the first... Uh, collection of, of terms that might come around with, uh, with understanding what it means to be made in the image of God are around this idea of dominion. God gives dominion over creation to human beings and also uses the word to subdue, uh, actually commands the human beings to subdue creation. Um, so it's got this idea of control, right? So human beings are given control or uh, another way of translating the Hebrew word that gets translated as dominion is to hold sway over. So you've got influence or control over the world. 
And so one way of looking at this is that that God, what God did in creation was God brought order to chaos. And uh, so God orders the universe. And then what he does is he gives the earth and everything in it to human beings who basically must tame what is wild in order to put it to use. That seems to be uh, what, what God does. But there are actually two problems with this idea of, of God giving dominion to human beings in that particular way. I, I think there's at least two problems. One problem is, is that God called everything good in the six days of creation. So it's not as though he said, well, okay, I'm going to make this creation that has to be subdued and, and dominated by human beings. So, so you better do that in order to make it good. No, God called it good before human beings did anything. So dominion can't really be uh, improvement, right? Uh, it can't be you've got to do something, you've got to tame what's wild in order for it to be productive in some way. It can't be that because God has already declared it good or observed the creation to be good. Um, the second problem is, is that when human beings take dominion, which we've actually done over our history, take dominion to mean kind of domineering control over creation. We can do whatever we want with it, um, which seems to be what dominion is about or control might be about, that we can do whatever we want with creation. When we do that, and we do that because we say we're made in the image of God, the problem is, is that we've got a picture of God as someone who has domineering control over things. Now, yes, God has control, but is his control and his rule one that we would describe as, as domineering? Or one that, where God, yes, God can do whatever he wants, but God's way of coming toward his creation is always one of love and of care, not one of uh, sort of oppression or exploitation or anything like that. And we've done that a lot with our creation and with one another, with human beings. Whenever I'm talking about creation, I'm talking about the earth, but I'm also talking about human beings because we're also part of God's creation. So this way of understanding the image of God as, as those who've been given dominion it's true, but it only, I think it only tells half the story. So yes, God is in control, and yes, God gave human beings great power and gave human beings sway over the rest of creation, gave us dominion. But being made in the image of God is not just about the fact that we have that power. There's something else. Um, this is also uh, related to a particular problem that comes up in verse 27, and that's a gender problem uh, that shows up in our text. And this is why I wanted to read it from the Revised Standard Version. Um, throughout uh, much of Christian history, uh, the church has kind of behaved in such a way, and believers have behaved in such a way, that the earth is ours to do what we want with it, um, and that also that it's men that are created in the image of God, and that women are somehow lesser. That's just been the sad history of the Christian church for the majority of our history. That might seem quite foreign to a lot of us now, um, but you don't actually have to go back that far to get that, uh, that treatment. And so you find this in verse 27, where it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And that's taken often, had often been taken to be an exclusive term, not an inclusive term of man. When you go back to the, the Hebrew, the word for man is Adam, or if we were going to say it with, in an English way, Adam. 
Um, so later, next week, we'll talk about how there is a proper name person named Adam who's created, which is quite interesting to see how that happens in the Hebrew. What the church tended to do was kind of chop off understandings or beginnings of things. So we can do whatever we want with creation because we have the power given by God. Well, yes, we've been given the power given by God, but that doesn't mean we can do whatever we want. Yes, man is created in God's image, but, but that's an inclusive term. So is woman. So we've chopped off verse 27 for much of Christian history. We've, we've only believed the first part and just said, well, let's not talk about the second part. Because the last half of it, you get, so you get this. God created Adam in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So first it gets singular, him, and then second it gets the plural, them. And for much of Christian history, somehow we just ignored the second part of that sentence. Male and female, he created them. And that's been quite problematic to try to understand our care for one another and how we are not in, supposed to be in domineering roles over one another or over creation. So what other ways can we understand what it means to be made in the image of God? I think a major one that we really need to understand is that being made in the image of God means being made in and for relationships. So God, when God has this great idea to create all things, and in particular to create the human beings, God says, let us make man in our image. Who's God talking to? <laughs> the Trinity. Yeah, gold star. There we go. Um, well, God could be talking to the angels. God could be talking to the heavenly court. Um, God could be... God the Father could be talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Notice that, that God the Father is not alone at the beginning of the story. Right? He's, he's talking to somebody. Let us make people in our image. He's not talking to himself saying, let me make people in my image. Uh, it would be remarkable to say that he's talking to the other members of the Trinity. That the Trinity is this idea of that God is in communion with God's self. So you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a, in a communion or community of love with one another, and God creates us in that image that we're made for community and communion with one another and with God. It's, it's a remarkable image. Um, the second uh, way of understanding kind of gets us back to this idea of dominion, but maybe tries to undo it a little bit. And that's to say that Yes, we're given dominion over all that is in this world, but that means that we have responsibility. And so we'll want to talk about what that dominion looks like by using words like stewardship and words like love and words like care. So what God does when he gives dominion to human beings, he... He's, in fact, commissioning human beings. And so it isn't the dominion itself that makes the people in God's image. So it's not the power. Being made in God's image is actually what establishes the kind of dominion that human beings must exercise. 
one of love. God giving human beings dominion is conferring responsibility to human beings. To know what it means to live as images of God, we must look to God and then act in accordance with God's character with relation to our dominion over creation. This means that oppressive control over creation or over other people is not a Christian option. It really isn't a human option. So being formed in the image of God actually looks like compassionate caring for others and even for our world and our earth. Now, if you really want to know what being formed in the image of God looks like, then look to Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 16, talk about Jesus in this way. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. And then if we skip to uh, verse 19 and 20, still talking about Jesus. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. It's a, it's a really beautiful passage in, in, for, in Colossians 1. You just hear the language that, that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. He's there before everything. And everything is created through him. It, it's amazing to me that in, uh, in John chapter 1, do you remember what Jesus is called in John chapter 1? The Word. Okay, so Jesus is called the Word. And what does God do in Genesis chapter 1? He speaks his word and all is created. Right? Isn't that amazing how the Bible is written? I mean, different people wrote these things in different generations. Yet the Spirit speaks through what they wrote. And the Spirit was speaking to them. So we see how God has kind of put these things together so that we can see, ah, yeah, okay, Creation happened through the word, through Jesus. But as we'll see in the next few weeks, we'll be talking about what happens when uh, sin enters the world. The creation itself, and particularly human beings and our relationship with God, becomes disrupted and broken. And so Jesus comes... And what does he do? So all things were created through him, and now all things are going to be reconciled to God through him. So creation was good and beautiful. It became broken. And then the perfect image of God comes to reconcile all things back to God, to fix it. 
it's, it's quite remarkable what Jesus does. I mean, we know this. We know it's remarkable what Jesus does. But, but think about as well how he does it. Right? He doesn't come in power and in might or control, does he? And uh, Colossians just kind of summarizes this in verse 20 by, by, at the very end. So he talks about how he came uh, and through him God was pleased to reconcile all things to himself by, here's the method, by making peace through the blood of his cross. That's the least powerful thing that you can imagine. It's a powerless thing to hang on a cross. He's put himself at the mercy of others. And they killed him. They tortured him and he died. Yet this is what reconciles us to God. That is the display of what God is willing to do and what God did in fact do to reconcile things to himself. Is Jesus, God himself, hanging on the cross, dying for us. That is the picture of God. That is what an image of God does, is it shows us who God is, right? Jesus on the cross displays the core of God's character. Such powerful love that he is willing to die for each of us. To willing to die for the creation that he's created because it's broken. Yet we are each created in God's image. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. Uh, I quoted from this in our uh, assurance of forgiveness today. After we prayed our prayer of confession, the first verse is from here. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Now listen to the continuation. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Same thing that it says in Colossians 1. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul goes farther. It says this, so all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not just a few people, the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You hear the, the connection between creation and reconciliation in here, right? Paul starts off with, if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. I mean, that's essentially what he's saying. Reconciliation with God is the same as being created anew. Or as we will hear in, say, John 3.16, that famous verse, and that whole discussion that happens between Jesus and Nicodemus, where we are to be born anew or born again. It's the same idea that we are created anew in Christ when we are in Christ. We are created anew. That's being reconciled to God. 
there's a connection between creation and reconciliation. Last week, we talked about God establishing roles in creation or functions in creation. Um, and God continues to do that. God did that throughout those uh, six days. On the sixth day, he gave a role to human beings. He gave them a purpose. Imagine uh, turning this idea of being created in the image of God into a verb. So instead of talking about how, you know, that's something God has done to us or for us, that we've been made in the image of God, imagine if we said that we are to image God in our actions and in our attitudes so that when people see us, they in fact do catch a glimpse of God. And what is God about? God is about reconciling to himself all things. Because things got broken along the way, and they continue to get broken along the way. And God is about fixing them, reconciling himself to all things. And in Christ, we're the ones who've been given the ministry and message of reconciliation. This should be our absolute focus in how we live in the world. Our way of caring for creation, uh, of which other people are a part, ought to be to model how God cares, how God works towards reconciling. And so the best way is to look to Christ, to continue to look to Christ, to see uh, what he did and how he did it, and then how we can allow his spirit to uh, form us and conform us to his likeness. Because then we're living out more fully who, we're, who we were created as. We were created as the Im- in the image of God. And as we allow the spirit to form us into the likeness of Christ, we live more and more in that mode. Look to Christ. Christ, uh, Jesus did, did not sit back, did he? This is one of the the fundamental principles is the the incarnation. Um, The the God did not sit back. God could have just sat back and said, well, I'm in control of all things and I'm just going to pull the strings and make things happen. And if people come and love me, great. Um, But it's it's on them. It's up to them. They've They've got to make the move. But he didn't do that, did he? The incarnation tells us that God came into the world, gave himself for us. He suffered for us. He exercised his dominion over everything by becoming one who serves. And that's what we're called to as well. Not to sit back and sort of wait around and see if somebody is going to do something kind for us or uh, whether someone's going to serve us and then maybe we'll be kind back to them. Our call as people who are images of God is one to go out. It's an incarnational action. One who 
moves out beyond ourselves to serve others, and we're doing that proactively. We are to become more and more like Christ, to image God for each other and for others as well. This is a high calling, but let's never forget that it's what we've been created for, and it's how we've been created. We're, our, our fundamental baseline is that we're created in the image of God. So it's not as though you, you have to work to attain image of God status, right? So we've already been given that. We're the image of God, but let's live into that. Let's look to Christ so that we can be formed by his spirit. Let's actually behave in the way that we've been created as opposed to the way that, that sin has distorted us. Let's live the way that God intended us to live as his images, as, his, as part of his creation. Let's live in the way that Christ lived, caring and compassionate, never domineering, loving others by serving them. Amen.